Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. On episode 27 of the Galen Trombley Show, we have Danielle O'Mara on the show. Um, Danielle is a health coach, um, and we go, we go into how she started her her company, Helping Hand in Health, um, why her background and her why of going into that, and how she is um, has a passion for trying to help others lead or live a more healthy lifestyle. Um, and I, it was a good, very good conversation. And I think she she touched on a lot of things, and she she kind of tied in her background into how she at one point in time was searching for help, um, was able to find it, improve her own health. And now I, you know, wants to reciprocate that and give back to others that may be, you know, in that situation. So I hope you guys enjoy episode 27 of the Galen Trombley show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley show. Welcome to episode 27 of the Galen Trombley Show. Uh, today, my guest is Danielle O'Mara, um, and she is here. And she's I, I met Danielle actually on a showing um, with a mutual friend of ours. And I don't think, and I, I, as with anybody on a showing or someone that you meet, kind of quick one time. I, you know, you know somebody, but you don't really know them too well. And then we ended up reconnecting at at our um, North Country Connections. And I don't think either of us really recognized each other because I wasn't in a jacket. And I think you had a hat on, so you were kind of like bundled up. And I was, I think, I don't think I had it. I don't know. You said something to me about not having a jacket or maybe my beard was shorter or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but we're both in that, which we'll probably touch upon in the podcast. But um, Danielle's going to kind of go into her background and kind of her, um, you know, her, I, I would say kind of semi new. Um, project career path kind of thing that she's taken on over the last handful of years so i think this will be um a cool back uh cool podcast with some cool background stuff so um danielle i want to welcome you to um the galen trombley show yeah how you doing i'm doing great thank you and is this your first podcast actually it is okay that's fine most people that come on um so far have said that because it's not a big thing yet and most local people we only have so many podcasts and only so many people have been interviewed so uh, but but Danielle for people that do not know you um, give them background how'd you come to the area how'd you get to 2019 Danielle hmm well this is a story I don't think uh, we'll have a quick beginning but a sure enough length time so I am originally from a small area over here in the Seaway Valley called Akwazasne or Hogansburg. Mm-hmm. Born and raised there, a Mohawk. I was raised with uh, many siblings. There's a total of seven. And I grew up with not a whole lot of inspiration to go on to education, but I did pretty well in athletics. Uh, and I enjoyed that because I felt a part of something. And somehow I learned something along the way. And that was, if you're going to make it in this world, you're going to have to put a little bit of effort into it. So when I applied to college and I went off to school, I had really no idea what was going to happen. Uh, 
I did have a lot of support from people and I enjoyed uh, meeting and talking to new people, but I was actually kind of shy. Growing up on a reservation, I feel like things were sheltered. I, I didn't, even though I went to a, a school that had, you know, a mix of people, it didn't have a lot of mix. It was either you were Caucasian or Native. And those were the two that I grew up with. So when I went off to college, I found that there was a lot of other people to learn about. And I think I was a little uh, ignorant, let's say. I ended up traveling to Syracuse and a small college near Syracuse called Casanova College. Mm -hmm. Went there for a couple of years, graduated from there. Shocking. Went on to Plattsburgh for two more years, managed to get through a two-year and then a four-year degree. And even more shocking was that I graduated and I, I think I, I worked my butt off and I learned how to, I learned how to do the education thing pretty well. Just really enjoyed it. And from that point, I went off into uh, a career and at first I thought it was going to be an interesting one. I ended up becoming a, a speech and language teacher. And I, the problem I ran into is I'm not very good at big tests. And in New York State, in order to become a teacher, you have to take teacher's exams. And I never passed. So I ended up not sticking with that. And I knew that it wouldn't be a career that I wanted to do anyway. So I ended up shifting out of there. And what was interesting was there was a period of time when I was interested in going into speech pathology, which would have meant a master's degree. And I applied to this, the University of Arizona at Tucson. And at the time, they had a program that was for Native people to come in and become speech pathologists. And I thought that was great. I applied. They commented back. They said they accepted me. And, I'm, and at that point, I thought, this is amazing. I'm going to be moving. They needed me there by August. This was in like June. So I resigned from my job. I told my landlord I was leaving. I sold everything. And within a week, they called, I know it was quick turnaround, but I, I, in about a week, they called back and they said, I apologize, but we're unable to take you. Um, we, we went through the files and we decided on another person. So in fact, you haven't been accepted to our, to our program. And it was devastating. That was in 1994. And I really didn't know what to do at that point. I ended up getting a different job staying in the area. And from that point, I knew that I was not going to stay as a speech and language teacher. I ended up working in Canada for a little while. And that move kind of led me in the direction of becoming a school counselor. At the time, they hired me without having a school counseling degree. But in Canada, you can do that. What they were going to do was get me to go to school over there. And I didn't end up um, doing that. I ended up coming back to Plattsburgh and doing a master's degree here, which was, gosh, I forget what year that was, 1997. And I ended up doing uh, a program there, which was uh, rather interesting. And I enjoyed my time here but unfortunately it was at a time when my mother was really sick and she ended up um 
passing away the, the first year I was in my graduate program at Plattsburgh. And a lot of things were changing, including me. A lot, I, I always looked at the outside of my life as pretty normal, predictable. I liked, I liked some of the things that were happening, but there was always a gnawing thing that was going on with me that I didn't understand. From a young age, I'd always been a pretty big person, and I didn't like it. I got teased a lot about it. Uh, I kind of used it to my advantage a few times. I used it to intimidate people. I used it to keep people away from me. If I, that's what I wanted. And as I was getting older, I realized that this just didn't work for me anymore. And when I ended up doing something about it, it was a few years, just a few years ago, I was, where was I? I was living in Syracuse. I think and I knew that my, my weight had really come on the, the, the really poor side of um, obesity. Like my, my weight was, was becoming a real problem. And my doctors at the time kept telling me, you need to do something about that. And I said, well, you know what? I'm not going to stay. <laughs> I'm not going to stay here then. And I fired that doctor. And I moved to a different doctor. And they said, listen. Oh, and by that time, by this time, while I'm kind of like firing doctors left and right, I'm also diabetic. Around the age of 32, I became diabetic. And I know I've jumped around a little bit. Type, type, type two. two. Type two yeah. diabetes. And when things had gotten really bad, I was having secondary effects from the diabetes and having uncontrolled blood sugar levels. And for me, it was neuropathy. And there was a point in my, in my life that I couldn't feel my feet. They were hurting terribly. And it scared me. And I ended up asking for help for the first time, really. And they said, let's get an appointment with a dietitian. I stopped firing the doctors because they were all saying the same thing. And I saw a dietitian in Syracuse, and it finally started making sense that I was the one that was the problem. I was the one that was unteachable and I was the one that needed the help of others in a health team more than anything and at any other time. So I ended up taking her advice. We, f we figured out a food plan and she slowly walked through everything. And I had weekly appointments with this woman because I said, I, I said, if I'm going to have to let go of food, the ones I love the most, I'm going to have to talk to you on a regular basis about how angry I'm going to be at you because you're telling me I have to let go of something. And she, she just reassured me that everything was going to be okay. So she stuck around, I stuck around, and slowly um, the weight started to come off. And, and within six months, I had lost close to 50 pounds. And over the course of the next five years, I managed to lose 100 pounds. And when I think back to that time and what it took to be able to shift from that mindset that I had, which was very negative and very my way or the highway, to the point where this woman opened me up enough to take the suggestions and recommendations, I think is an absolute miracle because it's not of me to want to surrender or to even take the suggestions. I just, 
I always had this, I'm going to do it. I'm fine. I don't need your help. I don't need anybody. And when I got to the point of losing a hundred pounds, I was like, Oh boy, now what? What scared me even more was that I was getting a lot of attention and a lot of my friends, I was living in Syracuse and, and I'm originally from Akwazasne, so that's about three and a half hour drive. So every time I was coming home, they're like, man, you're losing weight. And they kept commenting and commenting and I kept thinking, it's no big deal. But they, would, they were seeing something pretty um, tr- uh, dramatic happening. And I thought, well, I'm going to just keep doing what I know is working. At least I'm being monitored by a medical professional. And, you know, it's not like I'm just taking pills or doing anything crazy or any surgeries. I wasn't doing that. It was just taking the suggestions that she was giving me. And eventually uh, the weight stopped, stopped coming off. And I noticed that I was having a hard time with taking compliments, accepting offers to go on dates. I was just so scared because I think I had used my weight for so long to keep people away from me. But that started to change and I started to change and I started to think that, you know what, you know what, this will be okay and I will be fine and and I will be, you know, meeting the right person. And uh, so through that journey, a lot of people would say to me, well, how did you do it? And I would try to tell them, but they always wanted to use what I did and the method that I lost the weight in order for them to lose the weight. And I said, it doesn't work like that. So in, during my journey, I decided that I wanted to help people to learn how to lose weight, if that's what they wanted. And the best method that I, I figured was to become, and I didn't know anything about this prior to losing the weight, was to become a health coach. And I signed up with this program called the, with the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which is out of New York City. It's an online course. And it was for a full year. And through that program, I learned a lot of different things, but including, you know, different type of diets. I don't like the word diet, but that's really like, they, they talked a lot about different types and they had speakers and professionals and you name it. They had everyone in the health profession and health and wellness talk about food, working out, you name it. They, they had them on there and you had to, you had to listen and you had to, um, take tests at a certain point all, all the way along the way. And I finished that program and I thought, well, okay, now I'll be ready to work with people with this. If someone wanted to, I could do this. I could be my own business. But at that particular time was when we, um, my husband and I were married for about two years and, uh, it came to the point where we were, we were realizing that the only way we were going to be able to have a child was to adopt. And, um, and in a very short time we were able to acquire our daughter. And so my, my, my whole life shifted from, being a school counselor and a health coach to, oh my God, now I'm a mom. And that totally preoccupied my life for up until recently. She's now six. And I thought, well, now's the time to do more with this. 
because people still ask, you know, gosh, you've, you've been able to maintain that type of a weight loss. That's amazing. I agree. And I thank them for whatever, you know, they notice. So my, my, my business name has kind of transpired out of the idea that it's like a journey and it's a transformation. And, uh, I called myself helping hand in health because really that's what I am is a guide, a personal one-on-one coach who helps you to understand where you're making the mistakes and what you can do to fix them. But at no point would I ever tell you, you can't have that anymore. But if you're telling me that this isn't working, then we have to look at why do you keep choosing to have that unhealthy habit? So I have been working towards doing more with this. And in order to get known, you have to get working with people. And that's kind of where I am at this point. I am looking for some people to work with. And that is purely just, and and this is initially, to do some pro bono work with people in an eight session limited time so that not only would they get to know what health coaching is about, but it also allows me to work specifically on different types of people and work with different needs and really see what I can offer. And I, I know from personal experience that through what I've done by, by losing the 100 pounds, I've also been able to reverse type 2 diabetes. My doctor, who I have now in here in Plattsburgh, said to me uh, about probably six months ago, said, you know, we, we can probably look at, you know, taking that diagnosis off. And I just looked at her and I said, after nine and a half years, I didn't realize that's what I wanted to hear the most. And I went back to my dietitian and she said, she was, ex- she was so excited for me. But what happened was because my diagnosis changed, she had to bill me differently, which meant now that I had to pay her <laughs> for, for my time with her, which was, um, which it wasn't like that when I was actually diagnosed a diabetic. So hold on. So I guess this journey, uh, is, is, a, is a beginning and looking at drawing some people in to work with so that, uh, it'll get more known about what health coaching is. They say it, 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 is the um, wave of the future because really what you become is a liaison between the doctor and your other medical professionals, a dietitian. You're kind of like that in between where, you know, the doctor may diagnose you with prediabetes or diabetes itself. And you, they'll say, go see this person like the dietitian or the uh, diabetes educator. And if that relationship doesn't work, working with someone who understands where you're coming from would be the next logical step. But in my situation, I don't have third-party billing, so it becomes an out-of-pocket expense. And I think that's the only drawback that I think a lot of people feel when they see you know, what I offer. So there's some things that got to get worked out. This area is not familiar with what health coaching is, I don't know if, uh, I think there are a few other health coaches, but I, I, I've heard that they don't actually do too much with it right now either. They're w- working full time or working another job. So it becomes a second type of 
interests or occupation. So I'm going to pause because I feel like I've been talking a lot. No, you're, you're fine. That, that's, uh, like I said, that's kind of the, the, the beauty of a, like a longer form podcast. So, um, okay. So you, like I said, you had the, the background. We'll, we'll go into that a little bit later, but so from a standpoint of a health coach, like what, what is by definition, like what would a health coach be? Cause you talked about a dietitian. Mm-hmm. We know like deals with diet right. or, or you have, you know, could be, uh, you could be, um, someone that works with somebody from a, you know, a personal trainer could be someone like a psychologist or mental. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's a health coach in a sense? Cause that really seems very broad. It is. But how would you define it as who do you, who's like ideal, I say ideal clients, but what type of clients do you work with? What type, what are they struggling with? Is it more mental? Is it physical? Is it emotional? Um, I think it, it really is all of those things. And the person I guess I'm looking for is a person who's been struggling with their weight over a period of time, who's frustrated with either yo-yo dieting or not really truly understanding why they can't keep weight off. Uh, I'm, I, I think, well, let me just go back to what a health coach is. So it's basically one-on-one attention where if you don't understand what the dietitian means when they're trying to create something for you that would be workable for you, I help you to understand it. Because I've worked very closely with my dietitian, I, I basically what I do for myself is I write down everything I'm going to eat in the day. And I know that this is the plan that she said, this is what's going to work for you in order to lose weight or maintain weight. I write it down and I stick with that. That's my personal way of doing things because if I'm committing this food, then I know that I won't, I won't gain weight. If I start going off of that path, I certainly can bet I'm going to gain weight. And I've seen that happen. So for me as a health coach, there's a few things that I can do. Again, one-on-one attention that is either through, um, emails, texting, and then one-on-one face-to-face, um, counseling, like counseling, but sessions, health coaching sessions, typically they're every other week because, and, and over a period of time, typically we like to go six months. Most people will probably go three months, but the problem with that is a lot of times when you want change to happen, you need to see it over a period of time because people often want to go with the quick fix. They want to be able to go in, lose 10 pounds in a week and maintain that type of loss over a period of time. It just doesn't work like that. And it's not very safe. So I help monitor what they're doing right and maybe not doing so well. So we meet a couple of times a month, every other week, and we kind of go over goals and we kind of look at what what's working, what's not working, where we can improve things, where you might want to increase exercise. Uh, some of the things that I, I'm able to do is in the one-on-one sessions is we can grocery shop together so that I can help help them to understand labels, reading labels and understanding portion sizes. And I can help them to do a pantry clean out. So take a look what's in there. You obviously know what are probably the bad foods or the foods that are not helping you. And if they're trigger foods, where if there's something that really they have a hard time keeping in there because they're just going to keep going after it, is to maybe look at getting that out of there. So we can do a pantry clean out. There's also, um, we can do walks together in that one hour session. We can do like maybe go to a gym together and do a little bit of a workout where I can help 
you understand the, the, the types of things you can do to improve some of your physical activity. Sometimes it's as basic as just walking on a treadmill or just something simple. And I'm sure that they could have done that with the, the, a trainer at the gym. But sometimes a lot of people when, and I know what this is, what happened to me is when I'm really overweight and I'm, and I'm not only insecure, but I don't want anyone to see how terrible I am at something. And when you get that closer one-on-one relationship with someone, you start to have a trust so that they're going to help guide you through some of the tougher situations that you're, you're facing. So a lot of times it does become a session where there's a lot of emotions and a lot of loss and a lot of um, talking about things about why they may not be able to um, be successful. So it becomes um, a little bit of everything. You're kind of engaging in a little bit of everything. But most of all, I want them to be able to walk away with at least a little bit of hope that it's different. It can be different when um, you do have attention to these details because we're, we're rooted in, 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 be, in behaviors that are just, it's habit, it's, it's easy to go to, it's cheaper, it's easier. Um, you know, it's, and oftentimes, and what I found out about myself is that I was very much an emotional eater. And a lot of people will say that, and I've heard it a lot. And when people don't know how to deal with their emotions, they turn to food. And so I helped them walk through that and learn more about themselves through those kinds of conversations. Do you, do you find, um, so it seems more like you're, you're more tailored to people in more regards of like a physical weight loss portion. Um, do you find that weight loss, and I, I, I mean, I, this is what I believe, but do you think it, you're talking like a physical aspect too, but it's very, um, you know, it's very mental, it's very emotional, it's very, you talk about emotional eating, but it's very mental where... No, a lot of times, as with anything, like your mind is way stronger than your body, like physically, your mental capacity. Mm-hmm. So, and it's tough as soon as your body says it's hard or I don't like, could be getting up early in the morning. I don't want to get out of bed. Bed's warm. I don't want to get out and I don't want to, you know, attack the day kind of thing. But it could be the same as you talked about emotional eating or when you, when you talked about you journaling what you eat, um, I've gone kind of i mean for different reasons but i mean i've i've tracked my food at certain points depending what i wanted to do if i was wanting to um you know i i gain weight lose weight things like that like i've I've tracked just because that's for me it was there was no guess there was no um there's no really room for error because everything was laid Mm -hmm. out and you could see the path and you could see what you were taking in um but it could be when you talked about that working for you i've done that before i've i've journaled what i've i've eaten for maybe a month to kind of really track and kind of get now i can kind of eyeball stuff but there's times where if i want to recalibrate a little bit i go back to tracking what i eat again um which you know there's a big there's a big benefit to putting you know that on paper where you can physically see it um but what what is your what have you found does that approach because i don't think that approach would work for everybody from what I found, journaling, I, I for one, don't... And, and again, it's... I'm not going to do it every day, mm-hmm. all day for mm-hmm. my, my entire life. But I find that, you know, might be a month or two of the year. I got to recalibrate and all of a sudden, like, I'm doing very good. And then maybe I'll, you know, kind of get into a rut for a month or two. And then it's like, okay. Because you're constantly... Like, I, I, find, I find weight, whether losing weight, putting on weight, maintaining weight, whatever you have to do is always something because... 
you think about it, you eat every day. Mm -hmm. So it's something that can easily get away from you. Um, because it's not like, you know, it's like exercising. If you go to the gym, if you miss a week of the gym, if you're used to going to the gym and you miss a week, like you, even though it's a week, you still feel kind of like lethargic and you start to feel like, man, I'm out of, I'm out of my system and I just don't feel as good as I did a week ago when I was going consistently. Or if you go a month without going, all of a sudden you go back, it's like, man, I really took a step back and you got to try to re re get or get back on the path of, of, uh, improvement. But from a health standpoint, if you're working with people that probably that's not their, they don't have a big background in exercise. They don't have a big background in how to eat correctly and nutrition. Um, have you had any backlash to maybe people or, or had to use different approaches to someone that says, Hey, I can't track my food. It's just, again, it's a mental thing. It's a, it's a habit that has to form. But if somebody's like, Hey, I'm busy, I'm running around, I have kids, I have a job, I have this and that going on and and the last thing I can do is track food or prep food because I find food prep is what always holds me back, just time of the day, I don't have a lot of time to food prep. But then again, we I talked about it, um, I had a guy come on the podcast and we talked about prioritizing things in mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. I don't do it because I don't prioritize it over certain things, which you know that's what I find, you know, you can accomplish a lot if you're putting your effort or tension or focus into that. Um, but it, the, the, you work with people that don't put their focus and energy into that or haven't. So you're trying to kind of basically switch a habit that's not natural to them, which right. is a tough thing to do is it to is. form a habit. So what's your experience with trying to get people to form a habit, but also and I, I, I'm just using kind of the journaling as, a, as an example, because you mentioned it before, mm-hmm. but maybe people that don't, that that's not, a natural thing for them to do is track it. Do you, do you really force them to do it? Do you find other avenues I that they can, they can try would, to excel at? What I would want to do is kind of get an idea of where they ha- maybe have seen success before. What were you doing at, at a point when you were healthy or that you, you know, what were the things you were doing? So that you can get an idea of what they're willing to do or at least try to go back to. So, so when you're trying to change a behavior that's very deeply rooted, that's why it takes time for change. That's why you want to keep working with them over a period of time. That's why three months is not your ideal. So when you're talking about what it is to change a person's perspective or their point of view or their, their, their stubbornness with food, they're obviously hiring a person like a health coach, like me, to help them. There's a reason why they have to be somewhat motivated. They have to be frustrated with something that they're doing that's not working. So if we can outline what's not working and look at some goals that could be workable into your life, something that you believe is attainable for you, go at the pace and at the level that you feel is just a step in that right direction. Not too overwhelming, not too underwhelming, something that you feel like you can obtain so that they can then work towards it that in that next couple of weeks. So if it isn't to write in journal, at least one of the things that this becomes very obvious is that portion size is a huge issue. If you go to a McDonald's, if you go to any restaurant, oftentimes their portion sizes are way, so much bigger than what you would need in order to sustain at a certain level. So when people look at that alone, learning about portion size is huge. So there's a lot of different ways in learning that, but there's also 
something that you have to understand that it's not about the food. I mean, we need to make better choices, but it's not about the food all the time that that's the problem. It's, it's other things that might be going on in their life. So they may not, you know, be happy in their job, maybe their relationship, maybe there's a lot of stress with the kids. Maybe there's just things going on in their life that that's just a little unsettling that draws them to, to food. And oftentimes, if there's a lot of volume of food, it, it's not noticed when you're when you're thinking of all the other things that aren't going on in your life. So as a health coach, I help to understand some of this. And so when you're when you're looking at a plate, oftentimes, and I've seen my husband do this, this is another thing that could be done. And this was suggested by a dietitian. And I didn't think of it either. I use a normal big plate, the regular dinner plates. He uses the, uses the small, like, lunch plates, I guess, the ones that mm-hmm. are smaller. Mm-hmm. And he uses that to help keep his mind on the fact that, you know what, it doesn't have to be a big plate with a lot of food. It can be a smaller plate with a, a full plate, but that's it. Mm-hmm. That's, you have a full plate of food. And that's what's deceiving the mind a little bit, is it's still a full plate. Mm-hmm. Just This is probably less than if you tried to fill a whole plate of a dinner plate. So that's been able to work for him. And maybe not, well, all the time, because then he goes after seconds and mm-hmm. maybe thirds or ice cream. But, you know, th- that's for him to, to recognize for himself. So when we work together, we do try different things and, and to see where there's success. Because if I, they obviously know that there's not a lot of success going on in some part of their life. And, and it comes out in food. Mm-hmm. So just helping them to understand what it is. Is it they need to drink more water? Oftentimes, that's one of the things that happens in a person is they're hung- they think they're hungry, but they're actually thirsty. I drink 64 ounces of water a day. Rarely am I hungry. I also eat six times a day. Mm-hmm. And so rarely is there a need to be hungry. So... There's just, just these little things that you can do to help deal with some of the um, habits, the, the, the poor habits, the poor eating habits that they've gotten into. So again, when you start dealing with that, it is an emotional thing. And I remember, and I said this earlier in the story, is that if, if my dietitian had said, you can't have that, I probably would have fired her and walked out too. But at the same time, I couldn't feel my feet. There was nobody else to blame but me. I couldn't look and point at somebody else and say, you made me do that. And therefore, I can't feel my feet. I knew that the way I was eating and the way I wasn't taking care of myself with my type 2 diabetes, neuropathy was going to lead to worse things. And it was pretty prevalent in my family, as it still is. And I've seen what happens when you don't take care of yourself. And I've had family members who, my parents were amputee. They had amputees of toes and, and legs. And for my father, it was from the knee down, and my mother had a couple toes. And then, it, and then I have a brother who had a similar situation. So I've seen, I see what could have happened to me if I had continued on that path. The person who comes and who's willing to, to at least look at changing something has to have some type of motivation for hiring a, a health coach. They have to have some sort of willingness. So hopefully I'm helping them to find that willingness even stronger at every turn. So 
So when we find a little bit of success, they'll be coming back going, well, that worked. That's good. Try it again. Next couple of weeks. Yeah, that didn't work, but this worked. And I like that. So I'm going to keep doing that. So you just keep building on some of the positives and some of the things that, um, that they feel comfortable with. And eventually maybe you'll get to the gym where you can go around the track once or, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's just building on small attainable goals. Yeah. I I think, um, for anybody that like wants to do anything, people always look at, I, I attribute this to, you know, it could be change. Um, the gym I go to, um, we've had, we've had a few people that have been at our gym that have lost a hundred pounds and, you know, and it's one of those things that they do it in a month. No, they did it over a couple of years. They made small changes here and there, which became habits, which allowed them to build and build and build. And then they, mm-hmm. they accomplished their goal. Um, I've done that in my business. I've, I've talked to, I've seen people do it in, in certain aspects. Like it, you always are trying to just get 1% better. Meaning you don't, right. you're not looking at, I got to get, and I always call it like, don't look up at like, say you're at the base of a mountain and you're looking up straight up at the mountain. Okay. That's a very tall hill to climb. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what I find is that people look at that and they say, I got to go from here to there and I got to try to climb this thing straight up almost vertically to do it. Um, that's a very t- steep hill to climb, you know, and, but the same token, if you were to take yourself and maybe that uphill climb is a year or maybe the uphill climbs a month or whatever, take that same vantage point, stretch it out miles away, mm-hmm. put the same height from back there. You can cover it up with a thumb. You know what I mean? But the idea is, and the analogy is I always look at a distant horizon, a slow climb to a distant horizon, meaning I'm not looking to go from here straight up in a day, a month, a year. I'm looking at going from that same level, but I'm giving myself 30 years to get there. Then when you do that, you draw back and just say, hey, I'm playing the long game on this. I'm not trying Mm -hmm. to accomplish everything in day. And like you Mm -hmm. said, that, that quick gratification, which is more prevalent in today's day and age than it's ever been. But you really got to step back and say, hey, every every step, every thing you're doing is building to try to get to that, uh, to obtain that level. Now, for you, 100-pound weight loss, like you said that took about a year to do, a little over. I lost the, and then I gained back and then I finally lost and I said, I can't keep playing that game. So, so how, it took like, a little while, so, about two years. Okay, but two years. So that wasn't done in two weeks. And, and that's what I think people got to look at is two years is, is a – a long time mm-hmm. where you put focus effort into that over the long term. Um, I mean, like I said, going in, whether it be something physical, something mental, something with my business, like everything is always a long term vision, goal, something I'm trying to accomplish long term, but it's little, little baby steps. And then we talk about getting 1% better. Um, and I think the other thing that you touched upon, which I find kind of ironic about you, is that. It sounds like you had a big accountability problem early on in life, mm-hmm. um, and now you've you've gone to a point where you've seen the value in accountability, where now you want to be that accountability partner for other people. I'm and, a, an accountability partner. I love that. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that's a great. That's a great. There you go. Put you, that on my you, card. You can. You can. You can take that. Um, but but uh, here I'll write it on your card for you. But Thank I you. think. Um, the, the thing with accountability, I'm, I'm big on that, and I think it really comes down to, I'm trying to talk and write here at the same time. Um, There's a talent. The problem is I'm not holding it down with one hand, so then it ends up just kind of keep sliding away as I'm writing. But um, 
Well, the, the, the thing with accountability is I'm very big on, I don't, I don't like to rely on people and I don't, I don't want to rely on people. Um, I do in a lot of aspects because I need people to help me, but I don't want to have to rely on people for certain aspects and I don't want to, I hate blaming other people and whether or not I know it, not my fault or someone else's fault. At the end of the day, I can draw it back to something I can do or how I can react to a situation. So I don't really like to, um, blame others. Um, I like to take accountability for if I screw something up in my business, I like to take accountability for it. Even if I know it's probably not my issue, but it makes no, it doesn't make any, anything any better by pointing the finger at somebody and saying that was on you. I'd rather just say, well, you know, if it was on you, then it was on me maybe not to remind you to do it or, or something where I try to always bridge it back to me because I'm, I'm the only person I can ultimately control or how I react or my, um, yeah, just how, how I go about stuff. And, and I was, before you got in, I was talking to Ellie here and today's Wednesday. I've been basically from Monday till now, at least in my business, there's a lot of, it's, it's kind of like riding a roller coaster blindfolded like you don't know when you're gonna drop like and and the thing is like my last three days has been very high very low very high very low and it's been this like completely crazy mm-hmm. cycle where it's taken a lot of energy from me from an emotional standpoint not like emotional like crime but like mental i should say more mental just up and down up and down and I, you know you deal with a lot of people and you're dealing with houses and stuff like that but at the end of the day I got to be able to, it's how I react to the situation. I have a bad, something goes south or not good, or there's a big problem. How do I react to that? Or how do I make it better? And then when everything is going well, how do I also react to that? You know, meaning I don't want to get overly excited mm-hmm. because guess what? Within even minutes of that, something could just come straight back down. And the last three days, I think I've been the most up and down of my probably career. Um, but it's challenged my ability to basically push that stuff to the side um either i wouldn't even say accountability because some of this stuff is out of my control but it's just how am i reacting to it um but i find a lot the accountability aspect is huge meaning i have people that i talk to i have business mentors i have friends that are that you know i like talking to sometimes it's just people to talk to to get ideas out of my head as like almost like like a psychologist therapist kind Mm -hmm. of thing they're not they're definitely they wouldn't be that but you could everybody has a friend they can just it could be a girl like a you know it could be one of your good girlfriends or or you know one of your 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 best your best buddy like someone in that you can open up to and talk at a deeper level and really get things off your chest could be your, your mom or dad or something like that um but i think everybody needs that outlet and it sounds like from you from a standpoint of a health coach I really didn't know what it was before talking with mm-hmm. you, but it mm-hmm. sounds like a health coach is the accountability partner, the emotional outlet for somebody where they can literally just like almost like a psychologist, but like mm-hmm. they can use you as someone that they are comfortable with that, that knows you or they've built a, a relationship of trust with you that they can basically spill their guts to you and you can take it, allow them to get that off their chest onto you. And then you guys can both share kind of the burden of it. So it's not as, you know what I mean? Like they're not holding on to this big, big, huge rock on their shoulder, but you're taking 50% of that weight off of them. Um, and allowing them to, and I think that's positive just to talk things out. I mean, that's why people, you know, 
when you have something that's really sitting on your, you know, you know, eating at you, like something that you gotta, you want to get off your chest. It's better just to put it out in the open. Then you feel so much better from a mental standpoint. Mm-hmm. And whether that be health or, um, or, or like a weight loss, not health, but like a weight loss thing, or even it could be something emotional. Maybe someone has, you know, mental health issues, or somebody has, you know, issues with family or or friends or spouse or things like that, where they just need a third party to be able to say, Hey, listen, I'm just going to lean on you for an emotional support. Mm -hmm. Um, or like you said, I I think the biggest one is just the accountability. Now, what was your, why do you think you struggled with accountability early on? Because when you started talking about firing doctors and, and, and saying like, I don't want to work with you. I don't because they were all saying probably stuff you didn't want to hear. Exactly. It was my ego. It was my ego. You know, I always prided myself in being able to, being able to accomplish things do well at things. And, you know, I just didn't think I needed to help. I didn't, I didn't want to hear what you had to say about it. I was like, you know what? Everybody else seems to be doing fine. I'm just going to do it like they do and just leave me alone. Mm -hmm. You know, I just had this, this way of keeping people out of distance. You just had a hard outer shell. Yeah, I did. I did. And, and I think that kind of got kind of cracked open when I started to see that this person who was trying to help me was actually making some, you know, she was very steady and very understanding at how gentle a flower I was, really. Because she knew that if she pushed too hard, that I would probably just drop everything and, and leave. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I was able to stay. And I think it just became, I be, it was a vulnerable time for me. And that it's either you're going you're gonna to do something about this or you're not. Mm-hmm. And you can you could just know that if you stay on this bad path with the weight and the uncontrolled diabetes... I didn't want to take uh, pills. I didn't want to be on, on, on shots. I didn't want those things. And if, if I was going to do anything, that was the time. That was the why in the road that just said, you have a path here. Which one do you want? And luckily, I did choose the one that was the best for me. And, and it would be for anybody who's, who's at the point of, you know, which, which way do I go? What do I do here? You know? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think what she did was she had, when we talked about, built that trust up. I mean, right. like, no, however she gets to that point, but she obviously allowed you to take down that kind of kind of that barrier wall that was blocking you from ultimately the goal that you wanted to hit right and um you know and that's not easy i think that's with anything i think weight loss is an incredibly hard thing for people because it's something they're not they're not used to you know i think it's something that if you didn't grow up from a standpoint that you were um making good food decisions or had good a good relationship with your weight or Mm. or or Bo- food or body image or anything like right. that. I think some people too, it's just, um, we talked about losing weight. I've seen it with people. It's like they lose weight, they lose weight. And all of a sudden they look really good. They feel better, all that, but there's still the mental barrier of, I'm always going to be the fat kid or I'm always the, like, I think that weighs on people where that's probably the last thing to go is I think people like physically make the transformation, but it's very tough to lose, especially if that was your identity for, mm-hmm. 5, 10, 15, 20 years mm-hmm. where you always had, you always struggle with that. It's a long time. You know, it took you, it took you 20 years. It probably took you a couple years to get to that. And then it took you many years of just, you know, using, like you said, that as a, as kind of a barrier to entry into, you know, being more open to people or having, you know, being, take your ego away and things like that where, um, cause that happens. I think with people that have the, the weight loss problems, they're always stuck in that or, I've seen it too with people that might have, you know, issues with, um, 
like divorce issues mm-hmm. that weighs on them for many years where they can never really just like get over the hump or you know you know they might they might still have that kind of hard exterior because they went through some bad times and they're always just or they they think that people judge them based on that or they they put up this like barrier that people are looking at like may or maybe someone went to maybe someone went to prison maybe someone went to did something bad and now they're back and that was a thing in the past maybe they had a drug problem but that's in the past but i think some people use that still mm-hmm. as like their identity and when people are like no like you you can switch you can switch over time on a lot of things and change like you, if you went from something you talked being kind of the heavyweight loss portion and now it's to the point where you're on the probably the opposite team kind of now you're you're helping people get to that level um so what was your what was your reasoning for what's your big why for doing this like why why did you get into um or what's your purpose behind the helping hand in health when you first asked what i okay let me go back to when i was working on getting the certificate one of the things they said was to try to try to narrow things down to a, a niche market like who do you really want to work with <clears throat> and what i narrowed that down to is people who are pre-diabetic or di- or diabetic newly diagnosed and i also wanted to work with other native communities because that was where i spent a lot of my time and that's where i saw a lot of the same issues going on so when I thought about this recently because when I was working with my life coach, he, he brought that to my attention. He's like, what, what, who do you want to work with? What, what population or what area do you want to work with the most? And I said, well, my story is that I've been able to reverse type two. I said, there's not a lot of people out there who can do that. So when I say that, people are just amazed. Oh my God, how did you do it? There's so many people who could use your help. You're right, but there's not a lot of people who, who know that it's possible. So when, when I think of the people who are um, struggling, they don't have to be native. You know, I think overweight and obesity problems lends itself to a lot of health issues. And for me, let me, let me just go back to a story that I, I remember when this started, this whole idea of, of um, when I was losing the weight. I, I met this gentleman who uh, became a good friend of mine, and he kept saying to a group of people, I, I go hiking on the weekends, and I go up to the Adirondacks or nearby, and if anybody's ever interested in going, we take a bunch of us, we'll go hiking. Well, this one particular time, uh, we went, and nobody else came but just him and I, and we were in Ithaca, and he, he knows how, he's an avid hiker. He knows how to navigate stuff. He was really good. Well, this particular time, I literally felt like we pulled off to the side of the road and somewhere there was a trail. We went in and all of a sudden we're moving, we're moving, we're hiking. It's, it's happening. We're, we're somewhere way deep into the woods of somewhere. And I love being out there. And we got, we were right probably, um, I remember we were out there for 15 hours <laughs> and there was a point where he said, I think I'm lost. And those are not the words you want to hear of, a, of an avid hiker because you know something's wrong. And we paused and we were talking and taking a break. He goes, well, I got good news and bad news. And I'm like, okay, let's get to the bad news. He goes, 
It took us five and a half hours to get in. I think it's going to take us just as long to get out or longer. He goes, because I don't, I keep getting us lost. <laughs> and I was so mad. And that's what it's been like with what you're talking about with, you know, it took us a long time of certain habits with our eating to get to a bad place physically. And at there was a point where I was like, well, the only choice we have now is to hike ourselves out of this place. And that's kind of the turning point for almost anybody. They're going to get to that point where, well, I can keep going on and, 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 and die in here. Because, I mean, it was getting cold. It was like, you know, you don't know how an, a night situation can turn into. So I, I was like, no, we got to get out. So it becomes that same turning point for a person who thinks, you know, it got me this, I went this far in, it's going to take me this time to get out. You know, if it's been 20 years of eating poorly, it's going to take me some years to get out. There's just no way you can do that any differently. Does it going to take 20 years? I hope not. I'm almost forgetting the point of your question, but at the same time, I think it's important for me to remember that any good thing happens over time. Nothing that comes quickly is going to last for me. I think it's important for me, especially because I've seen where um, I would lose the weight, I'd get all excited, and then that doesn't give me permission to go back and eat bad because then you're just defeating what what you're doing. And I've seen that work in my diet mentality. But in the way that I, I look at it now, it's not a diet. To me, it's a lifestyle change. There's small incremental changes that happen over time. And if you're open to the suggestion and trying just trying something new. Like one of the things I, I used to um, suggest for people is to try different foods. One of the ones that I tried and I ended up liking was quinoa. I had no idea. I've never eaten it in my life. I even liked tempeh. I didn't know what tempeh was once in my life. I don't like tofu, but I can deal with tempeh. And it actually comes out pretty well. I eat it a lot, a lot more than I ever expected. So my my repertoire of food has changed. But I also now know now today because I've been able to see now just because you lose the weight, that doesn't mean you're healthy in all aspects. What I found out through eliminating a lot of things is that I'm right at this point, I know that I'm lactose intolerant. I know that I, um, I lost my gallbladder. And that gallbladder was because of all of the fatty, terrible foods I was eating for years and years. So I don't have one. Therefore, I have digestive issues. So there are supplements I try to take to help with that. So there's some, there's some things that happen when you stop punishing your body with food. And unfortunately for me, I'm finding out that there's all these other little things that are going on now. So I have to modify the way I eat. So I I don't, I don't eat dairy. So I don't eat yogurt and ice cream and, and uh, regular milk. It just hurts terribly. I don't eat a lot of fried foods. Um, I don't do well with red meat. I eat small portions of that. There's certain ways that I cook today that are a lot different than I did before. So all of these little things happened over time. One of my most favorite foods, if you asked me, okay, Galen, I want you to ask me, what's the one food you eat the most in a week? What's the one food you eat the most in the week? (laughs) (laughs) 
This is going to be an interesting one. Pumpkin. Oh, really? Yeah. I like pumpkin. I like pumpkin. People don't I, really eat They don't think about eating it. No. Think of pumpkin pie. but Right. Yeah. Right. You think it's it's a seasonal thing. Yeah. It's a good starch. It's a, it's a starchy vegetable, mm-hmm. but I use it in my smoothie. And, mm-hmm. and when I changed the way I ate, I thought, God, I get sick of all of this. And I want, you know, and what it did was it allowed me to eat something quickly. Um, it was easy to, um, ingest like my, my, my system could handle it. Well, I was getting a lot of superfoods and the, the protein shake that I, or the powder that I chose, there were just some really good things. And so in my smoothie, I have almond milk, uh, walnuts, pumpkin, a banana or strawberries, some, some fruit that kind of goes well with it. Um, Oh, uh, oats. Mm-hmm. And usually the pumpkin that I choose is the 100% pure because it doesn't have say, sugar. No sugar. Yeah. yeah. Cuz that's one of the things that I changed. And I forgot to mention that. That's one of the things that that changed when I changed the way I ate was I eliminated processed sugar. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. And and white flour. And that those are the two main culprits of uh diabetics. Mm-hmm. They can't process that. They they their my body had been for so many years trying to take that the insulin was trying to get the sugar out of my system because there was such a dump of it all the time that it just stopped functioning so well. So now that I don't consume processed sugars and white flour, uh, I do much better. Oh, and I also found I had the gluten gluten sensitivity. So I'm also weaned myself off of a lot of wheat. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of things that have happened and, you know, it, it's, it was just a slow, just noticing over time. It's like, man, I just don't feel as good when I eat this. I got to stop doing it. Mm-hmm. And and that's where I've come to today. And I, I'm shocked, really. When I think of how I used to eat and the things that I don't eat now, it's amazing. Yeah, I... Uh... The number one thing is is sugar and processed foods and sugar. Um, I'm big on kind of like you talked about before, and I brought this up a couple podcasts ago. We had a uh, Emily uh, Alexander on, and she does she's in nutrition, and um, the the big thing is is eating just good whole foods. But it, the um, what you talked about before about making a lifestyle change, not necessarily. I don't, I'm not a big diet guy, like mm-hmm. the whole 30 keto diet, the, mm-hmm. the Atkins, the, what, yeah, whatever, put, fill in the blank. All those diets are just to me, short term fixes. I think they have their place. If you want to do the whole 30 or if you want to do keto for a month or two, which will make you maybe get over the hump and kind of change around mm-hmm. some habits, that's mm-hmm. fine, but they're not sustainable long term. I think if you're trying to do that, you're like, I'm going to do. Now, granted, to me, Whole30 is great, but if you're doing like a, a Whole30 diet, meaning just like kind of Whole Foods for a full month, that's phenomenal, but it's not just a month and then we're going back to what we ate before. It's a month into two months, into three months, into a year, into two to five. Like, So my biggest thing when I try to find foods and stuff is I really try to find a balance of foods. I eat, I try to you know balance my intake of proteins, carbs, fats. Um, I try to eliminate processed stuff. Um, I'm not a big, um, I don't eat a lot of desserts because sugar just doesn't make me feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't eat a lot of pastas because I eat a lot of rice. Um, I like potatoes, but I don't find they're as, um, heavy on my, like my stomach as if I was to have some kind of thick cream pasta sauce or like an Alfredo mm-hmm. or something. Um, this, this past weekend we went to a pancake breakfast, 
you know, and I, of course, I love pancakes and maple syrup like any good North Country person would. But the thing is, I, I have it, and that sugar gives me, I, I have a headache for hours after. Oh, it's yeah. just, I just get a really bad sugar headache. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, it's not like I'm sitting there guzzling down maple syrup, but it's, you know, a, a, just even a little bit of it. It's just something that I don't have. So it's like a shock to my system. It's like, like you said, probably, I'm not, I have no issues with dairy. I can eat dairy. Um, but I've gone spurts where I don't really drink a lot of milk, um, and where I would drink almond milk or something like that. And then, and not that I'm against milk, but like I wouldn't, I just wouldn't really have it. Right. And then all of a sudden, I say introduce, you know, some whole milk back in, which is fine. And sometimes I have it depending when I was bigger into kind of um, lifting weights and exercising. I would, I would drink a lot of whole milk just to put, you know, it's quick, cheap, easy calories that you can use to put weight on. You know, I would do that, but what was funny was I, I have allergies to like pets and different dust and things like that. Well, as soon as I started drinking milk, if I was off of it for, you know, six to months to a year and I introduced it back in, I could tell my sinuses started to swell up a little bit because of just the, the, the lac, um, lactose in the, in the mm-hmm. milk. Um, and that's without fail. Every time I, I have milk after a pretty sizable time off, I just get like an allergic, not like a total allergic reaction. I know what but, you mean. Yeah, my, my sinuses just flare up and it seems like I have a harder time kind of breathing a little bit and I might be a little more stuffed up or sound more nasally. Um, I haven't really had any gluten issues, but I find that... Um, Maybe just, in time you will. <laughs> well, I think if I cut out that stuff, I think like anything, if you cut it out, like I just talked about the milk thing, if I cut milk out and then I add it back in, I'm going to have a slight sensitivity to it. Um, I think that people that completely start cutting gluten out, it, over time you will build up an intolerance to gluten just naturally. Um, but I mean, obviously if you did it for, if you had issues prior and taking that out of your system helped you, then definitely yeah. do it. Um, and the only reason I, I went with eliminating gluten was because a friend of mine suggested it because of inflammation. Mm-hmm. I ended up with, um, plantar fasciitis in my feet mm-hmm. and they often talk about that being an inflammation issue. So she said, you might want to try to eliminate some of your, your gluten intake. So I started to do that. It helped, but ultimately I still have the remnants of yeah, this issue on I was my say, Gluten's and, and uh, I know um, dairy are big of inflammation. Right. Um, and, and we talked with Emily talks about like gut health, like yes. your. Um, but I, I, I think a bit the biggest thing is we talked about is just being is eating whole foods, eating you know fruits and vegetables and meats and and and. You know, trying to stay away from the sugars and crap, but ha- having good fats, having your mm-hmm. avocados and your nut butters and your, mm-hmm. you know, um, coconut oils and your olive oils and having those good things, um, you know, fish, meat, um, yeah, fruits and vegetables. And I think the the biggest thing that people get away from and, you know, and, and I, the problem was, and we talked about this before, is that the whole low fat, high carb diet that was so popular probably when you were growing up and when I was growing up and probably to be honest really hasn't hit a big change until probably about 10 years ago was the idea that everything was low fat low fat low fat and then like and the thing is with low fat there's a reason it still tastes good and there's no fat to it they right. add a lot of additives to it there's mm-hmm. a lot of special little mm-hmm. non-calorie sweeteners and crap in it mm-hmm. all that stuff is to me is just it's worse than you stripping fat out doesn't make you fat dietary fat versus body fat are two completely different things so if you have avocado which i think um you know i think an ounce of or yeah i think like a half an actual avocado if you were to eat it i think roughly a half an avocado probably has 
I think 16 grams of fat in it. So I think a full avocado, if you read all of it, it's over 30 grams of fat in that avocado, which is a fruit, or a, sorry, if not fruit, a vegetable. Um, vegetable, right? It's a fat. Well, well, it's a fruit or a vegetable. It's one of the two. I'm trying to think. Is it? Well, it counts as a fat for me after you. Well, it's a, it's a fat, yeah, mm. but um, I think it's actually labeled under a fruit or a vegetable. I want to say it's a, a vegetable, but I could be wrong. But in either case, an avocado is very high in fat, but it's it's very high in monosaturated mm-hmm. fat, which mm-hmm. is it's a very good fat source. Olive oil is a very good fat source. A, a tablespoon of olive oil is going to have 16 grams of fat in it, but it's monosaturated, monosaturated fat, which is good for you. Um, having a scoop of canola oil is not good for you, you know, but having a scoop of, of coconut oil, which has mono, the medium chain monosaturated fats are good for you. And you got to really kind of, as you, you go through and you, you pick these things out, don't look at something that's got a very good source of fat as that's going to make me fat. What's going to make you fat is having the sweets and the desserts right. and the sugar and the, and the, and the cookies and, and, um, even just package stuff, having having the lean cuisine um, meal packets, mm-hmm. like basically go to, go to Hannaford's, go all the way down to the very end aisle where the freezer section is, and walk down and all those pre prep meals. You have the pastas and you have the Chinese food and you have the sp- mm-hmm. um, you 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 have the pizzas and all those things, the taco rolls. Like if you walk down that that stuff, do not eat. Like that's like that should be taped off with a caution tape. Like yep. you're better off going if you walk in the door, take a right and go through the produce section. Go right. go around the back, go through the meats, yep. and then pretty much bring 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 yourself right back forward. And I think if people can do that, I don't know the last time I I to be honest bought anything in the freezer aisle besides frozen veggies that I could just heat up quickly. That's what we do. Yeah. And just because it's more of a convenience thing than anything else. But, um, those prepackaged meals, there's nothing good to them. There's, they're, they're so processed. It's like the, the old TV dinners and stuff. I mean, I had them as kids, but it's like, that was, I think before there was a big education on mm-hmm. how bad those actually mm-hmm. are for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've never bought any of those at, for home. I've yeah. never, cause I, I, I will always try to cook something. Yeah. Um, from scratch before I buy that stuff. And I have a hard time because my daughter can kind of be kind of picky because when she was young, we, we were vegetarian. Mm-hmm. And my, we actually spent about probably six months being vegan. And she didn't have proteins going on, like regular chicken and beef and proteins. So she didn't have that. So today she's pretty picky about eating just normal little chicken. Like it's got to be a chicken nugget or... Uh, breaded somehow breaded, yeah. and hot dogs and bologna and I just I get so frustrated with that and I and nobody to blame for it except one day maybe it'll change but there was another part that I wanted to get to before um, before too long um, I do have a website and the website is under Helping Hand in Health and what I what I share in my website is a couple of other things that I do. And I wanted to bring note to that because besides being a one-on-one health coach, I do that with individuals. I can do it with groups. The other one is to do public speaking engagements on health and wellness. And that is another very interesting part for me because I have been sharing my story in many different venues in many different ways for a long time. And I remember about three years ago, I was sharing my story. And this gentleman, older gentleman came to me. He says, he says, 
you've brought, you were probably one of the best speakers I've ever heard. And at the time I thought there was no big deal about what I shared, how I shared it. And then I got to know him better. And I found out that he vacations up here in the North country and he lives in California and he is a lawyer in California. And he was a lawyer who ran for state senator in California. And I didn't know this. I only knew him as Bob. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I got to know him. And when he complimented me like that, he says, I've been all over the United States. I've heard a lot of speakers. And so with, with that in mind, what I ended up doing was I went to Toastmasters. Champlain Valley Toastmasters meets here in Plattsburgh on Tuesdays at 6 o'clock. And I came in, and um, it was it was a, a fairly new um, uh, chapter. So I, I was new to the area, got involved, kind of all, I, I was involved in Akwazasne. And it was with the idea that I wanted to become a better speaker. So with that in mind, that was one of the things that I wanted to do as uh, a health coach, was to be able to speak to groups of people on health and wellness whether it be on weight loss or whatever it is, I would tailor myself to that request. So that was another thing that I do. The last one that I do is something I really enjoy, and I've seen it work, is to be a vision board illustrator. If you've ever seen the uh, how to do a vision board, have you ever done one? Uh, you no. know what they are? I know what they are, yeah. Yeah. Well, I did this with some students at school because what it does, it helps me to get to know them. And so when they're fin f filling out their board, it, they're telling me the things that they like to do and what they want to do better at. And 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 really, to, to me, it has a lot of what I want from them is to pick some positive words that really stand out. So I have a vision board for my, for my um, health coaching. And I love it. And I look at it every day and I'm like, yep, that's me. Yep, that's what I want. And it keeps me looking toward a goal, mm -hmm. you know. And so when I do vision boards, it's, it's with the idea that you're trying to obtain a goal. And I did this, uh, I did one um, a while back, probably about 12, 11 or 12 years ago. And the reason why I go back that far is because... I was never that great at having uh, long-term relationships. So I wanted that in my life. I was getting sick and tired of being th doing the way things were happening in my life. And I did a board, and in the center, I wrote committed and loving relationship. And there were some other things that I was involved in at the time that I really liked and it was all a part of me and the board was nice. It was done and I kept it for quite a while, but it wasn't long after that I actually met my husband and I, and I used to look back and go, did that really work? Well, I was putting out the intention. I was finally putting out the words. These are some of the positive things I want out of my life. And they started to come to fruition. And I thought that was pretty awesome. So when I work with vision boards and people who are doing them, it's always with the goal in mind. It's like, what do you ultimately want? What's the biggest thing that you want in, out of your life? You know, a better career? Do you want a family? Do you want, you know, a committed and loving relationship? And what was interesting about that 
when you first look at it and, you're, and people hear my story and they think, oh my God, it was so nice and wonderful. That committed and loving relationship was really with me. It was me. Mm-hmm. It was it was what I thought I was looking for out there that I found in me. And that was that was the trick of the whole thing. I thought I was looking for somebody, but really I was looking for me. Mm-hmm. And so I've I've uh, I've gotten a lot out of that because when you're losing when I lost the weight and I was looking at myself differently, I had to learn to start accepting some of the positives that were happening too. And I think those were um, happening at a pretty fast pace where people, like I said, were complimenting me and I was having a hard time with it and I was learning to accept the compliments and, you know, just take that and just stick with it and just be okay with it. And and when it came to um, believing in it, believing in myself and believing that I can have good things and that committed loving relationship with, was really just how I felt about myself. So that I can then have that with another. Yeah, so. I, I think I, I use that a lot in a lot of stuff in life. Like the the power of visualization is mm-hmm. very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I don't have, I don't really have. I guess I mean, I do. I have my whiteboard here, mm-hmm. which is, um, you know, just kind of a lot of my thoughts that go on it. I know a lot of times, like vision boards or things that you mm-hmm. want in the sense of, you know, either material items or or you said, you know, relationships or things that you have as like endpoints. I don't really have, I have things I want to accomplish, um, kind of in the big, big grand scheme, but a lot of those things are open for change, meaning it's not set in stone. A couple mm-hmm. things are, but my real long-term visions aren't because they're going to change and adapt probably yearly or maybe every five to 10 years. That's going to kind of switch. And that's what's happened. I've, I've talked about my, my 10 year goal. And then I've talked about, you know, how that is, almost you know i think i'll be able to hit that in within the 10 years that i set and then now it's now expanding to other things and bigger things and i'm sure i mean again i'm 29 so i look at you know what do i want to accomplish basically before i'm 40 Mm -hmm. and it's like if i'm 40 like i still have a lot of time like you know and there's a lot of stuff i can accomplish in if i accomplish this much in 10 years i I call it the snowball effect but if i accomplish this much in 10 years how much am i going to accomplish in in um, the next 10 years when I've already built on the momentum of these mm-hmm. 10 years mm-hmm. and, you know, between relationships with meeting people and, and just things I've done and grown as a person. And then I look at, okay, if I'm going to be able to accomplish that at 40, what am I going to accomplish at 50? And what am I going to accomplish at 60? And like, but a lot of that is so far out that I don't have it. I have ideas and some of them are, are fairly vague because I know, um, they're open to change. I think if I go from a day to day standpoint, I'm always con- I'm big on just constantly implementing and executing on stuff. Meaning mm-hmm. I don't want to I don't want to think about or, or talk about or or overthink stuff. I'd rather just put it in play. If it's we, I had the last podcast we talked about um, a guy had said basically being an entrepreneur is like jumping off of a building and try, or a bu- jumping off of a building and trying to build a plane on the way down <laughs> or parachute on the way down. Like mm-hmm. you basically just go for it and just figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, and everything's going to work out in the end, but you figure it out as you as you're going along. So I'm big on just kind of putting things in play, and if it doesn't work, it's a learning experience. And I just every day I'm trying to constantly just get better at stuff, whether it be you know business, health, um, family, things like that. But you're always trying to be better, and then ultimately that will build into hopefully some good things down the road. Um, and it'll be it's cool to kind of look back and and say 
you know, I look back at where, where I was. It was funny. I just saw a thing pop up on my Facebook today and it was 10 years ago. And I'm like, 10 years ago? Like, mm-hmm. oh my God, like that, there's no way that was 10 years ago. And it's just crazy to think how fast time goes. But then to think about that time, like, oh my God, I've, I've really accomplished a lot in 10 years. And uh, I think that's what gives me momentum going forward. Even when I talked about, you know, having a couple rough things happen, you know, over the last few days, which again, it's not the grand scheme. It's a lot of it's, I, it bounces off me pretty quick because it's not life and death. It's Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. my family. It's, it's, you know, it's just at the end of the day, something that I won't even know. I won't even care about two weeks from now, you know, it's not gonna be that big of a deal, but it's just stuff. It's, it's always trying to stay positive and move forward and try to build and try to, you know, meet people and try to, I'm big on just kind of like trying to leave our area better than what I found it. Meaning I always, I want to give something back to the area or improve it mm-hmm. for, you know, my, my kids, you know, future generation or their next generation where if we can, you know, do some cool things now that's going to benefit long-term that's to me leaving more of leaving something as a, as in a legacy versus just kind of coming, doing your thing and leaving. And, um, that will take years and years and years, but it's just kind of cool where it always changes. So like when you talk about like a why type thing, your why always changes. My mine, I we talked about, I talked about in the last podcast is just not reaching my full potential, meaning leaving some of my ability on the table, meaning I just wasn't able to squeeze everything out of the lemon kind of deal. And that's something that I've, I focused on a lot and I try to really put effort into, I try not to, I don't like to waste time. There's times I do waste time and I, and I look at it and I'm like, why, you know, why did I do that? Or why am I doing this? I could be doing something better to improve. And, you know, I'm human like everybody else, but I really try to focus on, you know, constantly moving forward, constantly being in, in kind of a do mode. Um, and, you know, and, and it's, I don't know, I, things are going to change. I mean, things have changed from 10 years ago, even from three years ago. Um, and two, you know, my, my son was born, you know, um, about a year and a half ago. And it's like learning that kind of stuff that that's completely changed my perspective on a lot mm-hmm. of things. And, mm-hmm. um, and now different kind of evolving as, a my career has evolved into different roles, how that is going to affect people. Um, so, I mean, it's all, it's all good. It's all fun, it, but it's, like I said, it's that climb to a distant it's that mountaintop that you're climbing to, but I just know that mountaintop for me is a 50-year goal, you know, and, and, you know, I'm nine years into, you know, 50-year vision of, of things that could happen. Maybe even, well, maybe, maybe 70, God, no, <laughs> 60, 70, I don't know, I'll probably kick into 100, so we'll see. But, you know, is that like a 60, 70, 80-year goal that's kind of like you have time to accomplish, but it's just these little steps that as it starts rolling, it's such a, you know, it's, it's fun, which gives me, gives me the energy to go forward. Cause I'm always trying, like, luckily I'm in a, uh, a career where I don't just show up and leave. Like I, every day I can build and build and build and, and build. Cause there's really no ceiling and I can just keep, I can, be, I can really do as much as I want or as much as I'm willing to put the effort in to accomplish. Mm-hmm. But that keeps me going. Cause I just know I'm like, I'm not even close to my peak where it's like, I, I can always get better. And it's not like I've settled at any point. And I've actually, I think I've made a lot of decisions not to take the easy road and settle. Um, I've done some stuff that, or chose different paths or chose not to do things um, for that reason. But um, 
but I think the stuff that you're doing in regards to trying to help others, mm-hmm. um, I think especially coming from a background where you were in need of help, mm-hmm. um, then I think it's kind of come full circle for you. And I think, I think that's good. And I think now, like I said, the health coach, I really didn't know what it was, but before, but now you, you've added, you know, you, like you said, you, you've, you've been able to kind of explain the, the tie in. And I think what it comes down to is I think you're really much really, I mean, a health coach, but I think it's a lot of the accountability mm-hmm. partner mm-hmm. that, um, you know, a trust partner or something like that, where you can be that buddy for somebody that needs someone to lean on and, um, you know, kind of hold their hand and, and lead them down the path to right. hopefully improvement. Um, well, that's ultimately what I want. And, uh, you know, working with others has always been my, my forte. I mean, I've worked in schools. I, I work with, um, uh, a lot of different adults in different capacities and I, I'm a people person. I, I enjoy talking. I enjoy, you know, connecting with people. It's always been a, a thing for me. It's, mm-hmm. it's not been difficult for me to connect with people, you know? So it just kind of, it kind of ties in with health coaching, you know, to be a one-on-one assistant with something that's so important. I remember one thing that I got from um, a little saying was your health is your wealth mm-hmm. because when you don't have it, you're sitting there going, man, I could have done, I could have done something before. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to get this bad. Why did I wait? You know, so when I hear that, it's like, yeah, my, today my health is my wealth. I am a rich person because I don't have diabetes and because, you know, I don't have to have an amputation mm-hmm. and, you know, my eyes, I still have 20, 20 vision, pretty good, mm-hmm. you know, and there's just so many things that I don't have to worry about and hopefully we'll live a long, good life. You know, if, if I keep at this and keep doing the things I'm doing, I'll get to 80 and 90 without a problem. You know, the only reason I is I would die is if it was accidental on some other situation, but not because I, I, I put myself in a grave because of the way I was eating, mm-hmm. you know? And so I know that that's important to me. It's near and dear to my heart. I, I, I wish some days that I could do it full time, but for now it's going to be on the side part time mm-hmm. with individuals who, who desire to, to, to work on their health in a way that's going to be meaningful and helpful. Yeah. So I hope to be that, uh, accountability, accountable, accountability partner yep there yeah, you that's go. a big word uh to someone or in a group of people a, a room full of people um you know to a small group of maybe even kids that i work with in school mm-hmm. you know so i know the sky's the limit i just mm-hmm. have to know that you know the more i get myself out there and known mm-hmm. the more people will be you know calling and, and making those appointments and uh, i look forward to that i yeah. really do no that's cool i think i think anytime you have a passion for something that's eventually mm-hmm. you'll find the, the same people that align with it. So that that's good. Um, but I know um, you got to go, right? Yeah, so I got to get going. That, that's all right. So um, if anybody wants to reach out to Danielle, we'll put um, her contact info in the show notes. Um, and more than welcome to reach out to her. And, you know, if you have any questions or want to discuss anything, I'm, I'm sure she is more than willing to um, take you up on that offer. So, um, again, they'll be in the show notes. So I want to thank uh, Danielle for being here with us today. Um, and that is episode 27 of the Galen Trombley Show. We're out. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.